0: From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, riboflavin UVA crosslinking for keratoectasia, part one.
1: So remove the epithelium, administer topical riboflavin drops soak the cornea with uh, riboflavin. It's clinical evident because the, the actual uh, vitamin solution is, is bright yellow. So after several minutes, you visualize under the operating microscope the cornea's stroma becoming yellow itself.
0: First this. In order to provide medical education free of commercial bias, as seen from here, requires a financial interest disclosure before any podcast program. Dr. Kanellopoulos declares no real or apparent conflicts of interest. The Open Ophthalmology project at openophthalmology.com is an enormous success with over 5000 users in 57 countries. I have an announcement and a request about this open courseware ophthalmology project. First, I am happy to announce a dramatic improvement in functionality. Beginning this month, new versions of the 20 lecture optics series will be podcast. When you launch any of these new podcasts in iTunes, you'll see the word chapters appear on the menu bar. Each of the lectures has been divided by subtopic, and you can navigate directly to the subtopic of your choice by clicking on the chapters menu item. If you are viewing the lectures on a computer, an iPhone, or an iPod Touch, you'll also see an improvement in video resolution. Just in time for the OCAPs or the boards. I have a request. I want to solicit lectures for the Open Ophthalmology Project. Perhaps you have a lecture you would like to distribute to our large viewer base. Just email me at jyoungmd at gmail.com. I'll be happy to have you on board, and so will ophthalmology residents from Dublin to Dubai. Come check it out at openophthalmology.com. We all swear the oath to, first, do no harm. Hence, our feelings of guilt when we see the patient with post-LASIK keratoectasia. But what if that slow, inexorable thinning were exorable? John Kinelopoulos knows how to stop keratoectasia in its tracks, and maybe even make things better. The technology is called riboflavin-UVA-mediated collagen cross-linking. Today, we'll hear part one of my conversation with John. We'll hear the conclusion next week. John, welcome to A Scene From Here. How common is keratoactasia after LASIK? Uh,
1: It's quite uncommon uh, if you look at it statistically. But if you consider how many LASIK procedures have been done, especially uh, the LASIK procedures uh, over the past 15 years, uh, at times uh, where uh, there was limited knowledge of the limitations of the cornea uh, tectonically and the uh, limitations of how many diapters, how much flap thickness we could use, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, the absolute number of cases is quite significant.
0: John, are these generally patients with undiagnosed form-fruist keratoconus, or are these de novo ectasias?
1: Well, the literature so far uh, shows that the majority are exactly that. Uh, most of them are from fused cases uh and or cases where the actual flap thickness was uh uh grossly underestimated people thought for example that their flap was 130 microns where in reality it was 230 microns so the residual cornea bed was quite low
0: John what are the risk factors that we know for post LASIK keratoectasia?
1: well a thin over a cornea uh, cornea irregularity uh, manifested either on uh Simple topi- uh, cornea topography, or uh, if one has access to a more sophisticated um, uh, visualization of the cornea uh, showing the posterior cornea curvature, one may be able to see some initial signs of, uh, of uh, cornea irregularity in the posterior cornea surface on ORP scan or a pentacam. I think that that's the uh, uh, patient risk for uh, keratectasia. The surgery risk for keratectasia is, in my opinion, the amount of ablation. Uh, that we perform on the cornea and the uh, structure and thickness of the flap.
0: John, with these patients, there's progression in the topography and the steepening of the cornea. But is there progression in the ectasia in the thinning of the cornea?
1: Well, it appears that uh, they, they, they uh, behave clinically, if I can use that term, as a, a keratoconic patient that's in his late teens. So there's a rapid... Uh, uh, evolution of irregular astigmatism, um, thinning of the cornea.
0: Where in the cornea does the steepening take place, topographically?
1: Well, that, that's an interesting question because uh, having dealt with a lot of these patients, there appears to be a bimodal um, presentation. One uh, is very similar to keratoconus, where you're having some inferotemporal steepening and it, it, it really, uh, if you uh, took out the uh, past medical history of LASIK surgery, resembles a keratoconic, keratoconic eye. Uh, the other category of patients that I've encountered uh, resembles very much pellucid ma- marginal degeneration patients. So you're having, uh, in that second group, uh, steepening of the cornea that's, that's way uh, uh, far from the central cornea where you would usually expect keratoconus to manifest, it's usually uh, uh, quite inferior in the cornea. Uh, so in the central cornea, you're seeing flattening of the cornea, uh, and uh, you're seeing steepening in the uh, cornea that's quite uh, off the center, uh, usually inferiorly and uh, with significant irregular astigmatism.
0: John, to the extent that conventional therapies exist for post-lasic what are they?
1: Well, to my understanding, there's not much available as far as therapy. There's, uh, uh, there is a uh, series of measures uh, uh, to visually rehabilitate these patients, uh, go to um, uh, soft lenses, RGP lenses, soft perm lenses. There has been uh, uh, a series of investigators that have tried anteroconia uh, rings as a mode of uh, rehabilitating these eyes with uh, variable... Uh, success. Uh, there has not been uh, uh, a large series showing uh, long-term efficacy with uh, the use of uh, intracornea rings, either the intax or the Ferrero rings. Obviously a significant part in uh, this disease is eye rubbing and we're seeing um, literature lately that pregnancy may also be a high-risk uh, parameter in post-refractive chitricotasia as well. So in terms of therapy, uh, I would just point out, uh, as conventional uh, way, as conventional methods, uh, the visual rehabilitation, uh, possibly intracornea uh, ring implants, um, and uh, as a last resort, there lamellar or penetrating keroplasty.
0: John, what is riboflavin UVA cross-linking?
1: Riboflavin UVA cross-linking is a way um, to uh, stiffen the cornea utilizing a Photochemical uh, reaction, well known to dentists and uh, other medical specialties in the past, where the molecule of riboflavin is used, riboflavin being vitamin B2, a very photosensitive uh, substance, meaning its exposure to light uh, denudes the substance uh, quite fast. Um, so, a lot of people who are used to using riboflavin as a supplement, supplement in their diet are used to using it. Um, Uh, in um, uh, containers that do not permit uh, sunlight to be absorbed. Uh, So riboflavin is the uh, vehicle. Uh, The second vehicle is oxygen. And when you couple riboflavin with ultraviolet light, um, there is a photochemical reaction where free radicals are created uh, at the bystanding oxygen. So these three components, riboflavin, uh, ultraviolet light, and oxygen, create free radicals. And the presence of free radicals right next to cornea collagen has been shown to create more linking between these uh, long collagen fibers and making the uh, uh, collagen be- behave biomechanically as a more rigid stu- substance. So uh, in animal uh, studies and in human studies, it has been shown in the past that if you soak the cornea with riboflavin, usually administered topically, with drops and then you radiate it with ultraviolet light, you can result in significant stiffening of that
0: cornea. What was the objective of your study?
1: Well, over the last five years, we've studied several um, uh, ways of um, utilizing uh, this uh, biological effect uh, in uh, lieu of halting ectasia through refractive surgery. I started with a patient back in 2002 that came to me for a cornea transplant after all uh, current uh, treatments at that point had failed, including uh, intracornea ring implants. And uh, being freshly uh, introduced to that technology then, we considered with the patient the possibility as a compassionate treatment uh, to utilize cornea cross-thinking and uh, see how things go before we went ahead with a penetrating uh, transplant. It was a tremendous success story, uh, uh, actually, uh, because after the uh, treatment, we found that uh, a significant part of the pitagia reversed, uh, meaning the cornea parameters flattened uh, and uh, the patient was uh, uh, visually rehabilitated to a much better point, uh, specifically from a 2100 uh, endpoint to a 2050 endpoint. Uh, and um, with uh, a year after that, we, uh, we went even uh, ahead with a, with a more radical step to perform a uh, limited topography-guided treatment uh, as a PRK on that eye uh, to normalize the cornea surface, and we were able to achieve in that patient uh, 2020 result, which now holds true for about three years post-op. So it it was quite an impressive uh, result. We've actually uh, published this as as the first uh, combination treatment uh, last June uh, as a letter to the editor at the Journal of Ophthalmology. And this really, uh, uh, practicing here in Athens in the hotbed of uh, uh, keratoconus and uh, some cornectasia cases, resulted in us um, uh, getting uh, very much involved into uh, cross-linking corneas studying the cross-linking alone, then uh, PRK after cross-linking, and now currently over the last two years, combining the two treatments as one, meaning a very limited, as far as how much tissue we remove, um, topo-guided normalization of the cornea in conjunction with corneal cross-linking, and uh, it it currently is a significant part of our everyday uh, practice with uh, all ectasia cases, primary and uh, secondary.
0: John, can I get you to describe the design of your study?
1: Well, uh, the initial study that uh, we, we performed was uh, taking all ectasia cases that we were considering uh, cornea transplantation uh, based on uh, their inability to be effectively uh, visually rehabilitated with glasses or soft lenses. Uh, and uh, as you can imagine, the majority of these patients were uh, patients who were intolerant to contact lenses, rigid contact lenses. And uh, undergoing the um, uh, cross-linking procedure, uh, at that time we used the standardized uh, treatment of um, half-hour exposure with uh, topical drops administration and with the fluence of 3 milliwatts per square centimeter. Well, this has been the uh, mode that has received the C mark in 2006 in Europe. So all European Union countries do have uh, uh, per- uh, clinical permission to utilize this treatment for uh uh, primary and secondary ectasias. So we, we studied several uh, groups of patients. We studied a group of uh, Um We now have a total of about 50 cases treated, and we studied a, a group of patients with primary ectasia, meaning keratoconus patients.
0: John, can I get you to walk me through a riboflavin UVA cross-linking procedure?
1: Okay, so the the standard procedure because we we're currently working on several protocols with the, with the, with this uh, technique, but the standard procedure is is quite simple. Uh, it involves uh, the patient being brought to the OR, um, uh, that being uh, an OR as sophisticated as a basic procedure, so to speak. So just a uh, outpatient uh, uh, procedure room for the uh, for the cornea, and under topical anesthesia uh, such as uh, one percent per pericane, uh removing the cornea epithelium either by um, uh, laser epithelial uh, removal either by uh, diluted alcohol either by a mechanical brush and following uh, uh, at the surface of the uh, de-epithelialized cornea administer repeatedly uh, drops of 0.1 percent uh, riboflavin solution. Uh, so this solution is allowed to soak into the underlying cornea stroma. The reason why epithelium is removed is because riboflavin molecule is quite large and um, it has been shown that it, it is quite hesitant to penetrate through intact epithelium. So remove the epithelium, uh, uh, administer topical riboflavin drops, soak the cornea with uh, riboflavin. It's clinical evident because the the actual uh, vitamin solution is, is bright yellow so, after several minutes, you can visualize under the operating microscope the cornea stroma becoming yellow itself. And if you wait long enough, um, as long as 15, 20 minutes, and you take this patient to slit lamp, you can actually see some of this yellow material as uh, yellow flare on the slit lamp in the aqueous. Uh, following uh, the uh, riboflavin preloading of the cornea, uh, a, um, a UVA... Um, which means ultraviolet A-emitting device. Uh, This is not a laser. This is a device that emits uh, a narrow spectrum of ultraviolet light, usually between 365 and 375 nanometers of wavelength, uh, is being placed over the uh, cornea, usually at about an inch distance, so about 2.5 centimeters. And the fluence um, has been traditionally studied uh, at the level of uh, 3 milliwatts per square centimeter, and this is what has been used in most clinical studies to my knowledge. Uh, this, is the one, this is the fluence we initially used as well. And then um, the uh, UVA light left uh, to irradiate the surface of the cornea and uh, uh, being coupled with repetitive administration every two minutes of a drop of uh, riboflavin in the surface and as needed, the topical anesthesia according to patient comfort. So this procedure, now UV light coupled with um, topical drops, uh, it's quite comfortable for the patient because the, the cornea is, uh, is numbed by a uh, uh, local medication. It is quite boring for the patient to be looking at this blue light for about half hour. Uh, is completed, and then uh, the surface is uh, rinsed with uh, BSS, and uh, topical uh, uh, corticosteroid and antibiotic is used, and a bandage... Contact lens is usually uh, placed in the eye, and uh, the patient sent home with uh, some oral analgesia and uh, topical corticosteroid and antibiotic combination for, for about a week's time.
0: John, thanks. That was really clear. Let me ask you what your findings were, what your results were from this study.
1: Well, the results are, are quite uh, impressive. Uh, I should uh, go warn clinicians that are not familiar with this, with this technique that the uh, uh, there's a lot of the results that you initially see is an, are, quite, are quite an artifact of the actual um, biomechanical changes in the cornea. And I'll explain that. Uh, once the cornea epithelializes, and, and this is traditionally uh, true within the next three, four days, uh, you can establish uh, in lieu of cornea topography or orb scan or Pentacam uh, tomography imaging of the cornea, that there is a flattening effect on the cornea. Uh, what's scary enough in the f- initial cases is that you usually also establish a, a, a quite thinner cornea uh, that results after the procedure. And this is, uh, in my opinion, an artifact because the the light scatter through the crusting cornea becomes quite uh, uh, intense. Uh, so most uh, uh, tomography devices Underestimate the actual thickness of the cornea. So you may cross-link a cornea that's, for ins- for example, 420 microns, and look at that cornea with a Pentacam two weeks later, and look at and and get a reading such as 350 microns, and, and uh, make the uh, the alarming uh, uh, conclusion that uh, you've lost 70 microns of cornea in this process. This is not true. It's a visual effect of the cornea become much denser. Uh, what you see on the slit lamp once the epithelium uh, normalizes and you can get a good view of the cornea is that uh, there is there is more light scatter within the cornea. The cornea uh, appears to have a more uh, uh, glass like reflection uh, at uh, mild cases of cross-linking and if you get very significant cross-linking you can actually visualize within the cornea uh, soft curved white lines, very fine, soft, curved white lines, which I describe now after cross-linking over 500 corneas, the upper limit of what you would like to see as cross-linking. Six months after the procedure, the actual corneas uh, become much more lucent in in, uh, clinical observation and in uh, uh, evaluation by OrbScan and Pentacam. And the cornea thickness reaches the pre-op levels, Uh, so uh, that establishes the uh, observation that I made previously. Interestingly enough, the vision of the patients, the vision performance of the patient, is almost uh, within a few weeks better. And uh, this is a result of uh, the uh, almost invariably flattening of uh, keratometry. Uh, at an average of about two to three diopters. And in our uh, observation, tertometry was uh, flattened in a uh, respective uh, magnitude to the amount of the ectasia. So, for instance, if we were cross-linking a 50-diopter uh, cornea, uh, we would probably get a 1.52-diopter uh, flattening effect. If we were cross thinking in 55 five Dr. cornea, we'd get a little bit more than that, and so on and so forth.
0: John Kenilopoulos is Associate Professor of Ophthalmology at the New York University School of Medicine in New York, New York. He's also Director of Laservision.gr Institute in Athens, Greece. His paper corneal collagen cross-linking with riboflavin and ultraviolet A to treat induced keratoactasia after LASIK in situ keratomiliosis appears in the December 2007 issue of the Journal of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Ask questions of Dr. Kenalopoulos or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype JYoungMD. As seen from here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery be a part of the next podcast i'm josh young